Welcome to another edition of Ace on Music. I'm your host, Ace, and I'm joined, as always, by my producer, Mark, and by my faithful music lover here, Sean. <laughs> so, you know, been managing bands now for the better part of two decades, and what I noticed when we started getting some success is that you start getting inundated by other bands who, who want you to look at them to manage them in order to advance their career and all that sort of thing. And we get a lot of those. I mean, in fact, one of Sean's jobs for me when he's when he's working for me is that I funnel most of those submissions to him. He reviews them, and if they are something that he feels is worthy of further looking, you know, he forwards them back to me. And uh, it's it's a Herculean job because you know you're basically having somebody present their hopes and dreams to you and hope that you see the vision that they have, but. The reality is that as a, from a manager's point of view and just being uh, very upfront about it, it is as much work for me to manage an established artist that is making me you know, s decent money in the course of a year through touring or album releases as it is to manage a, a band that's brand new and, and has just started off, but they're not making you any money. So it's not something that I tend to indulge in very often because it's uh, it's almost like playing the lottery. I mean, if it doesn't pay off, then you put a whole lot of work in for basically no payoff. But sometimes, when, sometimes the rare thing happens where that magic connection happens, where you're presented with something and, and it really connects with you on a deep level and it's something that you're willing to gamble your time and effort on. And for me, that band was Tax the Heat. It is Tax the Heat. Um, the story basically goes is that back in 2010, when Adam and I took over managing Thin Lizzy at the time, we had a massive European tour booked, and we really needed to have an assistant for the band, somebody who would do a lot of the running around, prepare their dressing rooms, take care of their wardrobe, all that kind of thing. And through a strange chain of events, we got connected with this young man whose name was Jack Taylor, and he was working in a music store that was going out of business. and he knew uh, one of the uh, roadies for Thin Lizzy, and he kind of said, you know, if you ever have any work for me, I'd love, I'd love to try and go into this industry. And Jack really did have it together, so we brought him on the road with us, and he was a superstar right out of the gate. The guy was just awesome. He was really, really bright. He was very, you know, focused on his job, did a great job. And, you know, he was taken from uh, a young lad who's growing up near Bristol in England and suddenly taken on this worldwide tour with Thin Lizzy and seeing places of the world he never thought he would see. And uh, I remember at the, at the end of uh, the first year or maybe the second year that we were doing the, the Thin Lizzy shows, we were playing at one of my favorite venues in London called Shepherd's Bush Empire. And it, Shepherd's Bush is an old-style sort of vaudevillian theater that's been converted into a concert hall. It's very ornate. It has multi-balconies. And, and behind the, the scenes, um, the dressing rooms are on the second, third, and fourth floors of this building. And, and so uh, on the second floor, there's also the production offices, which is where I usually have set up my computer and everything for the day. And it was... 
it was the end of the evening and we were kind of going through the motions of packing everything up and Jack came in to see me and he was rather sheepish about it and he said I want you to listen to something and he handed me this home burnt CD and it said tax the heat on it and it was four tracks and he said that he, he explained to me that he had run into an old high school friend of his on the break from the last tour that we had done and that they had decided to get together and jam some music and uh, were pretty excited about what they were coming up with and they wanted me to hear the demos and I listened to the songs and it was it was a, a good first start you know you want to encourage people that you like and you care about so I was like you know you're there's something here I think you got a ways to go yet um, but keep us surprised of what's going on because if this does go in a direction that I think is is decent then you know maybe we can do something with it so off he went and we did another year of touring and uh, again we ended up being at Shepherd's Bush Empire at the end of the tour usually we ended it in London you know for obvious reasons and Jack came in and he said okay we have found two other guys to be in the band and we've written some material and we've demoed it and I remember him playing me this stuff and this is just over a computer with its crappy little speakers and stuff like that and with each moment I was getting more and more excited and I was trying not to show it I was trying to stay calm and I was like this is really good this is really good and at the end of it I remember Jack saying well what do you think and I said Jack wait right here and I went next door to where Adam my business partner had his office and I said you got to hear this and I brought him over and I played him the tracks and he said who is this you know I went this is Jack's band <laughs> you know and he and we were like well you know we got to do something you know so we we talked to them and we told them we would love to to take a chance on on managing them and so they went away and they started writing enough material for an album and they and you know we we decided to call in some favors to try and make things happen for these guys they they came to us and said their dream producer would be a guy named chris goss who if you don't know who chris goss is most famous for doing bands like queens of the stone age or um there's he's got a, a bunch of bands under his belt his own band masters of reality is also quite well known anyway chris Chris turns out he's actually a friend of mine and of Adams and so we I reached out to him and I said look you know we have this band and and you know Chris Chris is a very artsy kind of guy he's a very odd kind of guy in a lot of ways but I love him to death um, he um, he told me we were in Sweden together at Sweden Rock and we had breakfast the following morning and he said ace you know I get offered a hundred projects a year I do one and this year it's going to be tax the heat i'm blown away by this and we we're like wow okay so we got this big name producer who's going to be involved in this and um because of the financial constraints and stuff we didn't have a label yet or anything so we decided that we were just going to do a four track ep um, so that they could uh, record with chris get some label interest and so they recorded these this ep and you know, we started selling it at shows and things like that or by through their website to their friends and family and things like that. But we we had a strong relationship with uh, a, a, one of the biggest rock stations in England called Planet Rock. And uh, one of their DJs on there, Paul Anthony, has been a longtime friend of both Adam and I, many, many years. And we went, he's enough control and power at that station that he can get 
stuff played that he likes just because he likes. It's not like he's forced to play certain songs for them a lot. And we went to him and we said, listen, we want you to look at this band, Tax the Heat, and listen to the stuff. If you think it's good, you know, would you maybe give them a few spins late night on your show or something like that just so we can show them that, you know, they're getting some exposure. And he said, well, if I like it, sure. And he came back and he said, well, I like I like what I see and I like what I hear. So he said, uh, I'm going to have it played. It's, <laughs> I mean, I think it, I think it debuted at two thirty in the morning on the station. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but um, immediately they started getting phone calls and saying, what was that? You know, can you play that again? And in very short order, it got added to the A-list rotation on the station. Feed the uh, the the track was um, uh, feed the lines uh, f- fed to the lines. Excuse me. So um, you know, suddenly they they had this impact, and they suddenly started getting a few offers for national acts that were coming through the area, saying, you know, how how'd you like to open for this band or open for that band? And so they started getting in front of people, and they had here was a group of four young men all really good-looking guys, all very talented musicians. Alex, the front man, had a real charisma. Jack, you know, had this... They had this style where instead of doing the traditional band setup where you have the drums in the back and the guitar players and the vocalists, they all performed in a line. So Jack was on the same level as as the other guys. And, and you know, we started putting them on shows with some of our acts. You know, they, they were opening for bands like Thin Lizzy and 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 you know, whoever else we were dealing with at the time, and and then it came to the point where it was time to try and, and get a label behind this, and you know, Tax the Heat, as far as the kind of bands that we represent, they were kind of an anomaly. I mean, we mostly deal with classic rock. This was something; it was definitely rooted in hard rock, but it was a, almost a sound of their own, but. We had strong relationships with a lot of labels, and we went to one of them, Nuclear Blast, and we said, look, check this band out. We really believe there's going to be something here. And the label said, yeah, we think there's something here too. And so they gave us a deal, and they put out the first the first two records, actually. They did, they did two records under Nuclear Blast, mm-hmm. which is all their records so far, not counting the EP they did at the beginning. And... You know, we, we, we went out, but the the problem that we ran into um, through this process, the, the first album was quite successful. It did it did decent. We started getting some notoriety, a lot of great press. We got in, we had some very f- uh, fortunate things happen to us along the way. Uh, they got Download Festival. They played you know, opening on the main stage on Download, which is, um, if you don't know what Download is, it's one of the biggest hard rock metal festivals in England every year. 110,000 people attend it. And then they also did a festival more in the middle of England, and they had something amazing happen to them. If you want to talk about fate stepping in, they they were playing. Uh, I think Aerosmith was headlining that night, and Aerosmith hadn't done a lot of shows in England at that point. Uh, they don't often come over, so it was a big deal. And there was a lot of people who wanted to go see the Aerosmith thing. And Tax the Heat was playing in a tent stage, which, if you've never been to one of these festivals, they set up these big. party tents that can hold maybe 500 odd people or something like that and that's sort of a little sub stage where they have the more junior bands play and they were going to play their set in here it was like two in the afternoon or three in the afternoon or something and 
As it turned out, about five minutes before the band was to go on stage, the heavens opened up and just, just the rain started to pour. So everybody wanted to get out of the rain. And where's the best place to get out of the rain? In the tent. In the tent. (laughs) (laughs) So suddenly they went from having, you know, 50 people standing out there to it being rammed to you couldn't move. Nice. And it really worked out because several journalists were among them and they all wrote about this standout band that had that nobody had really expected to see. And then, so, I mean, it, it really started, things started happening for them. And these guys are really creative guys. They really were adamant about keeping control over every aspect of the thing. And one of the areas that they really excelled in was videos. They would do their own videos. They had, they had some friends in the area who were aspiring filmmakers. And in my opinion, they made some of the great music videos of all time. I mean, if you go check out Learn um, Learn to Drown, the video, the concept was that the entire video is done in one shot, one take, one camera, the whole thing, and they do the whole song from beginning to end. And, I mean, it doesn't sound that complex, but if you go watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about because basically the camera was positioned in the center of a room and it's rotating constantly. And so what's happening is as soon as the camera passes this part of the set, there's people who run in, change the set, so that by the time the camera comes around again, you're seeing something new. Mm. And they also they released a second video in conjunction with it where it showed how it was all done from a camera that was mounted in the corner of the room. And that's just as fascinating to watch. Or they came out with this really cool one for their single animals that is still one of my favorite videos. Um, you know, I'll try and remember to put the links into the notes section here so you can check them out. But they, there was there was a lot of, I mean, they were getting great press, a lot of feedback, a lot of great things going on. And then they started working on their second record, and it, and it came out and changed your position. Now this. This one was a slight, you know, we talked in the uh, in last week's main episode about um, bands that sometimes experiment with different things. And Tax the Heat was still finding their way, and but they made this record, which in my opinion is even better than the first one. But it was, it's not really a, a, a classic rock style record. It's not. It's a Tax the Heat record. And it was become very difficult to find a place for them to play because the classic rock bands weren't kind of going, eh, it's not really what we're looking for. But, you know, the more newish bands are going, oh, they're a little too much classic rock. You know, so they were, they were having trouble finding their way. But every time they did get in front of people, they always blew people away. Mm-hmm. And they had some really neat things happen. Like, for example, um, uh, who's the guy who... Um, from uh Mott the Hoople. What's what's the main guy's name? Oh, the singer? Yeah. Um Ian Ian Hunter. Ian Hunter, thank you. <laughs> so Ian Hunter was doing some uh some touring in England. He was gonna do I think sixteen shows or something like that. And it was split between four promoters. And for the opening acts he went to the promoters and said, I want something fresh and new. You know, bring me uh, show me some examples of what you think should be opening for me. And one of the promoters that was involved was one that was a big proponent of Tax the Heat, and so he put Tax the Heat forward. And Ian Hunter was so impressed with Tax the Heat from what he heard that they actually did the entire run with with him, and it was quite successful. But now they're in a position where 
we're trying to decide where to go forward. And right now, you know, in this world of of the internet and all that, is a label really necessary, or you know, is it? Because there's a lot of a lot of catches that come along with using a label. I mean, you certainly get the advantages of of the distribution and all that sort of thing, but you also you know, have to pay the piper, as it were. Right. So, you know, we're making those decisions now. But I'll tell you, we talk a lot about live shows and everything. When Change Your Position came out, they did a show in a little bar in London um, where it was basically a record release party. And they played the album in its entirety. Uh, I think that may be the only time they've ever done that. And I was in awe the whole time I stood there and I saw what I think is one of the greatest live shows I've ever seen when that performance happened that night. So as you can see, I mean, Tax the Heat is a band I I really believe in. I really think that they're going to make it. They're one of those bands that they're defining a new vein of music on their own and they're going to be recognized for that at some point. But there is... The, the whole point of, of my story here is that if you have a band and you're trying to make it, remember the key elements that are at play here. The things that made Tax the Heat successful is they're extremely focused. There's there's no infighting in that band. They're all very supportive of each other. And they it's all about everything is about what is best for the band. their own egos get checked it's always what's best for the music what's best for the band how do we make this go forward and you know they they constantly are working on it they're constantly writing music they're constantly thinking about the visuals and even down to you know they were so adamant when the second record came out that they wanted it on vinyl that they went and and had the vinyl pressings done themselves and things like that because they were they this was how they wanted their band presented so what I'm saying to all of you out there who are, are new bands, who are trying to make it, it, it's all about tenacity, it's all about hard work, and, and, and don't let your egos get in the way. It's about the music, it's about where this is going, where it's going to go, and, you know, it can, it can happen. It can happen. And check out Tax the Heat, because they'll blow you away. Yeah, definitely. You've seen them a few times with oh, me. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, that's a funny story because the first time I've seen them, I was actually, uh, they just came out with a channel that had videos at late at night, which I missed. And uh, one of the videos that came on there was uh, the the Learn to Drown video. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a brilliant idea. <laughs> and then the, then I saw the making of it, which was to me was even more fascinating than the video itself. Truly. I mean, it was just two different things. But, I mean, yeah, it was exciting to see them do all that. And it was like I didn't know that was a band that you managed. It was like a band that I would, like, listen to and like. And, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of bands that were just starting out. You know, I've seen Tool start out uh, in clubs. And you just, you know when a band has it and they're together with each other. You know, this band definitely has that vibe. You know, I think they need to get out here in the U.S. and play some shows. That would be nice. (laughs) You know, you mentioned the Learn to Drown video. There's one thing about that video that... Got to see this video. that, That really drove home about how visionary these guys were. I remember when I first saw the video and I watched it about three times in a row and was just blowing away and I phoned up Jack and Alex 
to tell them how impressed I was with it. And I said, it's really too bad that you didn't, like, you know, maybe record it in a way you could show people how this was done. He said, oh, no, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, what? Yeah. He says, yeah, we put a camera up in the corner and, you know, we can do a video like that. So, you know, always, always be thinking about the angles and the things that are going to be interesting to people about your music and how you're going to present it. You know, Tax the Heat has always been very adamant about how they present themselves and 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 you know even down to the the they occasionally do covers i mean they do incredible covers of songs that really show their roots i mean they're very rooted in the mm -hmm. 70s and in the psychedelic kind of stuff and everything but i can't wait to hear what they got to offer us soon me too <laughs> they won't let me hear the demos oh, yet no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so that that was a little tale about Tax the Heat, and I wanted to share it with you. I, I hope that you, that you, you know, if you have a band out there, you take some inspiration from it. Know that it, it can be done. So in the meantime, I, I want to thank Sean for joining me on this one, and Mark, of course, always for running the board, and thank all of you for your continued support. And uh, you can always send us feedback at acetalksmusic at gmail.com, or you can leave comments right down in the comment section of whatever platform you're watching this in. And uh, we're, we're going to head over now to the Patreon platform and do our after-hours show. So why don't you come join us there and check it out, and you can hear about what, uh, what we talk about afterwards. So in the meantime, I know shows are starting to open up, uh, and you're going to be going to see some live stuff soon. We're all excited about that. Remember, safety is paramount. And make sure that you take all the precautions that you need to and stay safe. So until next time.